are on the line. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn on ESPN 1067 or online on foxsports983.com and ESPNAU.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw. Join the show by calling in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7500. You're on the line with Noah Gardner on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Happy Thursday, everybody. However, you may be joining us, whether it is live on your radio dial on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM, or if you're listening on the podcast, on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio, well, Auburn has a transfer quarterback, and I use the article A because I think Auburn could dip back into the portal for another quarterback in this window, whether it be sooner or later, but regardless, Auburn has Zach Calzada transferring from Texas A&M to the Plains. We want to hear from you about it. Phone calls will be taken during the commercial breaks. If you want to call in, 334-321-1390. We want to know what your thoughts are on Zach Calzada transferring to the Plains. Is this your ideal situation? And I think the answer to that question is no, but I do think this was one of the best options available in the transfer portal. And if you don't believe me, go and look on 247sports.com in their transfer portal and look at the list of quarterbacks at this point it's just now getting started and that's why I go back to the article that I used was the word a Auburn just got one quarterback they may get more in this window and we'll go through some of those options after we break down Zach Calzada's transfer to Auburn of course we found out yesterday that Caleb Williams released his top five teams, and Auburn is not in that group. Maryland, Penn State, LSU, just to name a few teams, including Oklahoma as well. He could still return. I doubt that, considering Dylan Gabriel transferred there. But the reality is, Caleb Williams does not look like that's happening. So where did you go from there? And there's a couple of guys out there that I've shortlisted that I actually was preparing for today's show, and then the Zach Calzada news broke. And Zach Calzada was on that list. Now, does Auburn get one of the other two guys that I have prepared that I'll talk about in just a few minutes? That I don't know. That I also doubt, just because we haven't heard a whole lot about their recruitments in terms of their relation to Auburn. But let's talk about Zach Calzada. A look at the statistics last year at Texas A&M. Not great, a little inconsistent, but he gave his team a chance to win. 56.1 Completion percentage, 2,185 yards, 6.7 yards per attempt, 17 touchdowns, 9 interceptions. Sounds a lot like T.J. Finley numbers this year for Auburn. It's true. And I think Zach Calzada had a better supporting cast around him on the offensive side of the football compared to T.J. Finley and compared to the situations that he's walking into right now at Auburn. His offensive line was better. We saw that when those two teams played in College Station, it was evident that Zach Calzada had the better receivers, had the better offensive line, had the better running back tandem. I'm not going to say that 
they had the best running back between the two teams, but I think they were a little bit deeper at running back between Devin A-Chain and Isaiah Spiller compared to the way that Jarquez Hunter and Tank Bigsby were playing at that point in the season. So you break it down, the situation that Zach Calzada is leaving, I also think the A&M defense was better. The situation that Zach Calzada is leaving is about to get a lot tougher here on the Plains. Now, with that being said, the average fan is going to write Zach Calzada off. Whenever we have fielded calls about this, whenever I have talked to people off the air about this, just average fans getting their opinion on this, they have almost every time disagreed with me. Maybe I am wrong, but they have almost every time disagreed with me on my take that I like this. I don't dislike it whatsoever. I think there's some real potential here for Auburn to work with for Auburn to improve. People forget Zach Calzada was a three-star recruit. He was supposed to be a backup this year at Texas A&M behind Haynes King. He was not supposed to be the starting quarterback. And granted, that's not a point in my corner here, but just follow me down the road. We saw him truly improve from his first game starting or his first game playing at quarterback, which was the Colorado game on the road, which was absolutely atrocious. And if you heard me talk about Texas A&M this year, you know that I was down on this team all year long, and part of that had to do with quarterback play. I just didn't think Zach Calzada was there yet. But the reality is, as the year progressed, Zach Calzada became a better quarterback. He did. You look from start to finish, he became a better quarterback. He gave them opportunities to win football games. When they did lose and they suffered four losses when he was the starting quarterback at Texas A&M this past year, they suffered four losses. All of them were by 10 points or less. So that tells me that it probably was on the fact that Calzada was not at the caliber to make the crucial throws that I've talked about time and time again that you need to make in order to win crucial football games and key games in the Southeastern Conference. That is a knock on him this past year, but the reality is, and I go back to this, I do think he improved from start to finish, and he gave his team a chance to win in a difficult situation when he was not supposed to be the starting quarterback this year. They had to change a lot in that offense to get him ready on a week-to-week basis, and he learned the offense, and he grew. I think this is a good fit from a scheme perspective. Zach Calzada is a pro-style quarterback, but once again, I do go back to, I will not disagree with somebody if they say, look, this guy did not play well at Texas A&M this year. He was average, below average, if you want to go that far. Only completed 56% of his passes, 6.7 yards per attempt, threw the football to the other team a decent amount of times, had nine interceptions. I'm not disregarding that information when I say why I like this. I just see potential here. I see arm talent. I see grit. I see determination. Those two qualities that I just listed, grit and determination, he's going to need that coming to Auburn with the situation that he's walking into. But he's got a winner's attitude. You don't beat Alabama. You don't beat Auburn the way that he did without a winner's attitude. And as an Auburn fan, you have to respect the performance that he had against Auburn, albeit statistically it wasn't good. His arm went numb. He couldn't move his arm. He got decked by Smoke Monday when he took off scrambling to extend a play. 
and his arm went numb. He couldn't move his arm. He goes to the sideline, gets fixed, and then comes back out onto the field and plays after his arm just went limp. That's the type of attitude that Auburn needs at quarterback. Now, they need talent, too, 100%. I don't disagree with anybody on that, but the situation that he's walking into on the planes, let's just be real. You need that type of attitude. And I think that's what this coaching staff likes about him is that he's gritty, he's hard-nosed, he fits the personality, he fits the mold that this coaching staff is looking for. And yes, that's all fine and dandy. You still have to have talent. And I think there is some there for this coaching staff to work with. The reality of the situation is how you feel about this transfer is going to be connected to your level of trust in this coaching staff's ability at developing quarterbacks and evaluating quarterbacks. Do you trust this coaching staff to find a quarterback in the transfer portal that is going to give them the best chance to win? And likewise, do you trust this coaching staff's ability to develop that quarterback? The answer to that question, from my perspective, is I trust them. I look at the margin of improvement and Bo Nix this year, and that tells me these guys can develop a quarterback. You also look at the track record at Boise State. There's some nuggets about their recruiting at Boise State in terms of talent evaluation. I think they are good and capable at doing this. I expect Zach Calzada to be better next year than he was this year. How much better? Once again, that goes back to how well this coaching staff can develop Zach Calzada across the offseason. Spring game can't come soon enough to see this. And who knows? And we already know that there is going to be a quarterback battle, but who knows who else comes through the door here in the transfer portal. We may all be looking at Zach Calzada right now thinking, oh, well, this guy, they brought him in to be the starter. They're done. They could go out and get a couple of other guys, which I have a couple of those guys listed. Casey Thompson, the Texas transfer, who was at the top of my list before Zach Calzada announced that he was transferring to Auburn. Casey Thompson released a top five, or it's reported that his top five includes Auburn. I think he would be a good addition to the team next year. Now, I think Auburn's on the outside there. I think Nebraska is the leader in that situation with Casey Thompson. And I'm sure everybody has heard the name Cameron Ward of Incarnate Word. You love the numbers there with Word, but will he transition from the FCS to the SEC? There are pluses and there are knocks to all of these different players inside the transfer portal. But going back to Zach Calzada, I trust the talent evaluation. I trust the player development of the quarterback position under Brian Harson. It's a short sample size with the previous quarterback room. Only one year, but you have to go back to Boise State to find more examples of quarterbacks that have been successful under Brian Harson's tutelage. Calzada wasn't good at Texas A&M. I understand that, but he was serviceable and he showed some potential with a good attitude. And that improvement at Texas A&M last year is what intrigues me because what if he is better next year for Auburn? What if his completion percentage goes north of 60%? Now all of a sudden you're looking at a guy 
who is north of 2,500 passing yards, more than 20 touchdowns, and hopefully you can knock off some of those interceptions a bit. And now you're looking at a quarterback who had a better season than Bo Nix was going to have this year. Statistically, he's not that far away from that. You just got to get some consistent performances there. It shows me that there is real potential for him to be better. That's what I like about this. But I also understand that if that potential does not come to fruition, offensive disaster. Because he's walking into a situation where he does not have nearly as much talent around him on the offense at Auburn that he had at Texas A&M. And I think the defense is going to be really good at Auburn next year, but the defense is not going to be enough to get Auburn to a bowl game if the offense cannot pull its weight. There's still a lot of work to be done in the transfer portal. Now, moving to some of the other guys that I listed that I thought Auburn could be going after, and I wonder how tight Auburn is in those races considering Calzada committed today. Casey Thompson at Texas, he had a 63.2% completion percentage for the Longhorns last year, 2,113 yards, 8.1 yards per attempt, pretty good there. Knew how to stretch the field, 24 touchdowns, 9 interceptions. Dual threat quarterback ran the ball for 157 yards, 2.9 yards per carry, four touchdowns. He was the expected starter at the beginning of the season for Texas, but he did not start. Texas went with a true freshman at quarterback. It was a disaster. And in the Arkansas game, Thompson took the job. And the only way that you can write it for Thompson for the entire season was inconsistent. If you look at his game log, he had some awesome performances, threw for six touchdowns against Oklahoma, no interceptions. But he also had some awful performances against teams like TCU, Iowa State, Oklahoma State. He had some really bad performances outside of a couple excellent performances. So you look at the ceiling for him, you see that there is a high reward type of situation with a player like Casey Thompson, but there's also a low floor. The question is, if Auburn were to be able to win out and get Casey Thompson out of his group of five teams that he's got listed right now, could they level out his play a bit? Right now, the top five teams, Nebraska, Oklahoma, Missouri, Auburn, and Indiana. I'm thinking Nebraska. That's where reports have him leaning right now after he just took a visit to Nebraska. Unfortunately, I do think Auburn is on the outside right now, but this would be a good get. And then Cameron Ward, as I mentioned, out of Incarnate Word, 65.1% completion percentage, 4,648 yards, 7.9 yards per attempt, 47 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, 61 yards, one touchdown on the ground. You talk about Cameron Ward, and you think the last time Auburn got a guy named Cam out of the state of Texas, it was pretty awesome. Now, I don't think that's the type of upside here, but you look at those numbers and you're like, wow, I want a piece of that. Can we get that in the Auburn quarterback room? And the reality is those numbers will drop when he comes from the FCS to the SEC. He's not a scrambler by trade, but he is mobile enough to extend the play and make throws outside the pocket, which seems like a good fit for this West Coast offense that Auburn is moving into. He didn't get a lot of attention out of high school because he played in a wing T offense. There wasn't enough film out there for him to get offers. Because of that factor and the fact that he also has four years of eligibility remaining, he feels like a five-star high school senior to me because he's already got some collegiate experience and you look at the numbers he was putting up. This feels like a five-star to me. And don't tell me, oh, he was at Incarnate Word. Look, Ole Miss got him on campus immediately. If Lane Kiffin likes him, there's probably something there in terms of quarterback play. His throwing motion's a little bit odd, coming from a sidearm slot at times, but I think the skill set 
It'll be like having a five-star true freshman at quarterback. And I'm not talking about one of the transcendent types. I'm just saying, you know, a Bo Nix type. There's some potential there, but some growing pains. We haven't heard a whole lot about his recruitment other than the visit to Ole Miss. Regardless, I think there's a lot of upside here. I just don't know why we haven't heard anything yet. Teams are probably hung up on other players in the portal, like Caleb Williams. They want to see if they can win one of the sweepstakes. Or they're hung up on the fact that he plays at an FCS school. But once again, I go back to Lane Kiffin didn't care. He wanted to get him on campus immediately. Regardless, Auburn has a transfer quarterback today, Zach Calzada from Texas A&M, transferring to the Auburn Tigers. When you look at the transfer portal, and I started out the show like this, as far as the quarterback position is concerned, there are few options at the moment. So before you knock this, my sales pitch on Zach Calzada coming to Auburn and why I like this, if you'll remember a month ago on this show, I put out a top five list of QBs, and I had Zach Calzada at five after we found out Bo Nix was transferring. It's fair to look at his play, to watch the film, and say, man, this guy wasn't good last year. I said it all season long. I'm not disregarding that, but still, my take on Zach Calzada is there's potential. He's got a good winning attitude, found ways to win at Texas A&M. He has experience. There's tools to work with there, and he's a good scheme fit. He's going to have to improve, though. No doubt he's going to have to improve. On top of all that, I do think he improves the Auburn quarterback room. So you can't knock this. He's better than what you have. So you're going to take him. And you look around the transfer portal, Auburn is not in some of these battles that people wanted them to be in. Caleb Williams released his top five. Auburn's not in it. So then it goes down to the other two guys that I just listed. And Casey Thompson out of Texas. And Cameron Word out of Incarnate Ward keep getting word and ward mixed up Cameron Ward when you look at that and you see the cupboards pretty bare right now and the transfer portal there's not a whole lot for Auburn to choose from and I think this was a pretty good get we're going to take a quick break here on on the line and when we come back we're going to continue to break down this situation Auburn lands a transfer quarterback Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner with you on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Number to call, 334-321-1390. We're taking your calls during the breaks, and Terry is with us today. What's up? Hey, Noah, how you doing, buddy? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. That, that, no, this is, this, is, this is why Alabama's playing Monday night for championship and why Auburn continues to go to the Birmingham Bowl. Signings like this. It says, it, you're right. I agree with you on the one thing. It's upgrade to the quarterback room. But when you talk about his statistics, you're just describing T.J. Finley all over again. And I said that earlier. You're right. The stats are T.J. Finley. You are 100% correct. I mean, that, that, I just don't – Auburn has got to have a playmaker at quarterback. And I say that – you know why I say that? Because they're not good enough at receiver on the offensive line to not have a playmaker. He's got to be a playmaker. Somebody to give Tank Bigsby a little relief. That's the only playmaker you have on that offense. Now, Terry, that, can you concede they, with me that there's some potential here, though, <clears throat> considering he improved from start to finish? 
Um, I don't know. I don't. You 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 watched it a little much closer than I have, so I, I can't comment. On. But I will say this: if he was that good of a team player, if he was that more potential, why did he leave Texas A and M? Why did Jimbo Fisher let him get away? I tell you why they let him get away because he got better quarterbacks down there. That's why. He was the backup to Haynes King at the start of the year, and they did just bring in a top-five quarterback in this year's recruiting class. So I don't think you're wrong. The writing's on the wall there for Calzada, but I don't think we can say he's a bad teammate. Yeah, I'm not saying he's a bad teammate. I'm just saying they upgraded the position, and he was expendable. Yeah. I don't disagree with you. Nobody is saying anything wrong when they say that stuff. I I do not disagree. I I don't see this as upgrade for Auburn in any way, shape, or form, other than maybe what you said, the quarterback room. But they've got to go and get somebody who is a playmaker who can make a difference. Otherwise, they're just settling for mediocrity and below mediocrity, as far as I'm concerned. And and you say you got faith in the staff. What have what reason have they given you? You think Bo Nix got better? Well, maybe a little better. I don't know. But um, he certainly. I mean, he certainly he makes a play against LSU. But did LSU impress you the other night? They looked terrible to me. I think Brian Kelly's got a lot of work ahead of him. I think Bo had a good so, season up until the injury. Of course, there were some moments where it wasn't great like the Penn State game but you also look a couple weeks later on the road he answers all those questions against LSU Arkansas played a great game against Ole Miss I mean as the year went on he stacked up some great performances and then he got hurt so I think Bo did improve and then I'm also looking back at the Boise State track record for this coaching staff granted that's not the SEC but they did have a lot of good quarterbacks at Boise and that that goes what I'm missing Bo Nix was a playmaker he had mobility they don't. This guy doesn't have that. They need to go out and find that because the offensive line and the receiver is just, just, just not there. And and Brian Harris and his staff are not going to be, you know, not going to be committed enough to do that. They, 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 there's a difference between beating up on seven and eight win teams out in Idaho and playing in the Southeastern Conference. Now that's then that's what he's done. You say track record out there with quarterbacks, fine, no, well and good. But you know as well as I do, there's a big difference in beating up on I know you know that teams out there in the Southeastern Conference. Because the average, an average Southeastern Conference would dominate out there. I don't disagree. The only thing that I will add in response is that I don't think this coaching staff's done in getting players for the offense to build it back out. I don't think this well, is the complete roster. Yes, let's hope not. Because if it is, I'm with you, Terry. It will not be pretty. No, it'll be another six and six season, and they'll be in the Birmingham Bowl again in a city that's known for its crime rate and its bad leadership. Take care, Noah. Appreciate it, Terry. That was Terry on the line. If you want to call in, call in during the commercial breaks, 334-321-1390. Lone Soldier in the studio today, still working through some things here at the beginning of the year, working on getting uh, folks back to campus and whatnot as the new year rolls around. Talking about Auburn getting transfer quarterback Zach Calzada, going back to Terry's call there. I don't disagree that Zach Calzada was not good last year at Texas A&M. He was not good. And this was not my top choice in the transfer portal for Auburn by any means. He was fifth on my list of five that I listed out. And there was it was sometimes hard to find five guys at the beginning of all this. And I was like, yeah, let's bring him to Auburn, right? The transfer portal is not loaded with a ton of great quarterbacks that fit what Auburn wants right now and there's even fewer that Auburn I think is in on right now at least from what you hear Auburn was listed or reportedly among the top five for Casey Thompson from Texas who I think would be an ideal candidate based on everybody left but the reality is Auburn's not in the running for Caleb Williams and I think they're on the outside they're towards the bottom of that list of five for Casey Thompson for Texas 
I think he's probably going to Nebraska or Oklahoma. He'll end up being a backup at Oklahoma if he goes there. So I would imagine it's going to be Nebraska. And then there's Cameron Ward from the FCS level. You could go that way, and you could still get him and have a quarterback battle between him and Zach Calzada. I think Auburn's still going to go and look for other quarterbacks, but I also don't think this coaching staff is going to bring someone in that they don't feel like is a fit, whether a fit from a play perspective or from a personality perspective. And I think Zach Calzada, although the statistics weren't great and the play wasn't great last year, he is a fit for Brian Harson's scheme, and I think he's a fit from a personality standpoint. So let's see if this coaching staff can develop him beyond what he was last year. But the truth of the matter is, Auburn will have to develop him beyond what he was last year. If they don't, then Terry's exactly right. Unless they're able to go and get some extra players in the transfer portal to help him out a bit. But Terry's exactly right. If Auburn doesn't go and get some guys in the portal, the offense is going to struggle so bad next year that a bowl game will be wishful thinking at times, I think. But I've gone on record several times this week and before the new year saying, now is not the time to panic. And there's every bit of reason to have optimism that Auburn's going to be able to recruit the transfer portal and get the players in to be successful next year and make it to a bowl game. Rarely ever have we seen the wheels fall off of the Auburn football program. And maybe you want to say that that's what happened this year with Auburn losing five straight to end the season. But when I mean wheels fall off like total catastrophe, I'm talking about 2012. And granted, it has happened in the last decade, but rarely ever. I mean, 2012 lives in infamy because of how few seasons Auburn has had like that. Auburn doesn't have back-to-back losing seasons. That's not something Auburn does. They haven't done that in a very long time. So when people ask me why I have so much optimism that Auburn's going to figure it out, it's because they always do. At least they avoid total disaster. Gus Malzahn did it several times. You could look at 2018 after losing to Tennessee and Mississippi State and think, oh boy, what happened? Rattled off a win against Ole Miss, found a way to salvage the year, finished 8-5. and five. Now that's not good. That's not what we want to aspire to achieve on a year-in, a year-out basis. That's not the expectation. But total catastrophe and disaster did not happen. So when people ask me why I have optimism about Auburn football next year, only one time in my lifetime have I really seen total catastrophe and disaster for Auburn football. And it didn't happen in back-to-back years. Is Auburn headed towards that this year? I still think there's time to change that reality. Be patient. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. Live on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. We're 30 minutes into uh, the Thursday edition of On the Line. Noah Gardner with you. Phone lines are closed as we now have Britt Bowen, Auburn women's basketball play-by-play announcer with me on the show. Britt, how's it going today, my man? 
Hey guys, uh, just trying to stay warm up here in Missouri, man. It's a, it's a high of 15 degrees with a wind chill of about negative two. So quite the difference from what we're used to back on the plane. Now, Brett, I'm happy to see that that game is going on tonight, considering there was some question about a week ago as to whether or not it would be played. Yeah, I mean, because uh, on Sunday, Missouri, they got put into, or their game uh, got canceled uh, or postponed, whatever how you want to say it nowadays, uh, due to due to COVID nineteen protocol. So Auburn was able to get their game in on Sunday, but yeah, it's kind of been kind of a question mark. I think Missouri men's basketball had been affected by the same thing. So at this point, anytime you can play and you can get a game in, it's it's good to do so. To, despite I know it's frustrating, but despite having practiced or not, it's just good to get games in at this point because as the season progresses, it's, it's going to get tougher and tougher to to find makeup dates. Auburn coming into tonight's game at eight and four overall. Missouri at twelve and two. The last time they played was on December thirtieth, but it was a big win in overtime. They knocked off the top team of the country, South Carolina, seventy to sixty nine. In your experience of watching teams play college basketball over the last year and a half or so with the coronavirus around, do you expect there to be some type of hangover for Missouri, considering they've had an extended break? Yeah, a little bit, and and, I'll, and I don't mean that in, in any sense of, of their talent. I think it hits every team different, but I, you would like to think, you know, if, 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 if they were in protocol, which to my understanding that they were, then that means their practice time is going to be affected. Well, when your practice time is affected, look, it's going to impact your game plan. I, I don't care how good you are, who, who what players on your roster, it's going to impact you a little bit. The big question mark for them is going to be who's available, you know, because like Sunday for, for, for Auburn, Auburn was lucky. Auburn had everybody available. Um, for tonight for Missouri, there, there's there's – that had that has not been made public yet, and uh, that most interesting fact about Missouri is their best player didn't even play against South Carolina. That's Asia Blackwell, who averages 16 points a game. She's the SEC's leading rebounder. So um, it, it'll be a big question mark as, as to who they have available. As far as I know, for Auburn, um, everyone's available tonight. So that's good news for Coach Jay and the Tigers. Reversing back to Auburn's matchup this past weekend against Alabama, losing 56-53. to Still, it's really encouraging to see Auburn with some of the non-conference wins that they accrued and in their first SEC game. They look to be competitive this year in the Southeastern Conference. Yeah, and they, they, and they were competitive on Sunday. But I, I, will, I will tell you, and I think this coaching staff will tell you, Auburn did not play well on Sunday. And they, and that, they did not make any excuses given the circumstances that, that surrounded them going into that game. They just flat out didn't play well. They missed open layups. Um, if you watch the game, they turned it over 18 times. And I bet half of those, at least half of those were travels. I mean, it was a lot of just uncharacteristic mistakes. And as, as positive as I felt after the game and, and going in and, um, and and Auburn having a chance to, to tie it there towards the end, I think they trimmed the lead down to three before Alabama was able to pull away. You know, like Coach Starkey said it best, that this staff is not here for, for moral victories. And, and, and that was an eye-opener. Um, uh, not just to the fan base, but but to me as well. I mean, because I, I I was like, you know, I felt I I was proud at least to how they fought there towards the end. But if you look at the overall body of work of that game, they did not play well. They they they've got to come into tonight in Missouri, and, and, and first and foremost, they've got to take care of the basketball. They they they've got to get back 
and doing the little things right because this team has proven when they do the little things right, they're going to give themselves a chance to win against really good basketball teams. I mean, look at what they did against Georgia Tech. They played, I mean, above average in that game, clearly. And then they went on the road and beat a very good Belmont team, too. So, um, But the thing is, Noah, in this league, is you, you can't take night off. The SEC is too good top to bottom that if you don't play your best game, you will get beat. Now, the question for Auburn coming in this year is uh, a lot of people are asking, hey, well, what's the, what, what's the peak for this team? Uh, what should the goal be? Can Auburn win an SEC game this year? Auburn can absolutely win an SEC game this year. They're continuing to get better. The key is well, when, Auburn's going to face somebody eventually who's having a night off and when Auburn's clicking, and, and who knows, that that could be tonight. But, but regardless of that, Auburn has got to get back to playing Auburn basketball. Clean up the mistakes. You cannot have the same mistakes that you made against Alabama. Because I mean, no offense to Alabama, they're, they're a good basketball team, but Auburn will see better basketball teams along the way, and I, I think Missouri, uh, at least on paper, will be will be one of those teams. For those folks out there asking, will Auburn win an SEC game this year? Maybe I'm just naturally an optimistic person, Britt. You know me well, but I feel like this team can win a lot of SEC games. I've been very impressed. They absolutely can, but they have to get the first first. You can't look ahead. You can't start picking up. You can't start pinpointing wins that, you know, two, three weeks down the schedule. You have to focus on the game that's in front of you. And tonight, that's Missouri. And look, the last two times Auburn and Missouri have played, they were two very high-scoring games. Auburn came to Columbia and dropped 95 two years ago, just just in a, a a crazy offensive performance, one that I, I, I don't think I'd ever seen before in person from Auburn. But And then last year, Missouri came in, another high-scoring affair. Missouri won by 10. Honestly, Scott Grayson of Auburn dropped a career-high 30 last year. So I, I expect to see some offense tonight if Auburn can get their shots to fall. But uh, Auburn has got to find a way to get stops tonight. I think Auburn's defense is going to be uh, equally, if not more important than their offense because Missouri's the top shooting team in the SEC from the field, and uh, they're, they're the second-best shooting team from behind the three-point line, and they're the best free-throw shooting team. So they, they have scores on the floor, and uh, for, for Auburn, they, they've got to find a way to get pressure. They've got to find a way to create turnovers because at least one, one good thing about Missouri they're at least negative in the turnover margin, not by much, but they, that that does that does seem to be a weakness of this team if you if you can force them to turn it over. Auburn at eight and four overall coming into this game, zero and one in the SEC. For folks out there that are not paying attention to what Coach Jay is doing with Auburn women's basketball, tell them why they should be. Well, buy in right now because if you watch this team. You know, on paper this year, no one was giving this team a, a chance whatsoever. Here they are, eight and four, and they're zero and one in the SEC. And, and and if they play halfway decent in Alabama, they win on Sunday in Tuscaloosa. But you can't go back. So for Coach Jay and this team, if you if you watch and, and you compare uh, this team, not even to last year, just game to game and how they improve and when they're given a, a, a fair play at a game, they're going to have a chance to compete. Um, they they play extremely hard. Um, Coach Jay is getting the – I think she's getting the absolute most out of this team talent-wise right now. <laughs> and credit to her and Coach Starkey and his staff for coming in and, and, and making the adjustments. But, but most importantly, 
hats off to the players and the way they bought in. I mean, you, you have kids stepping up that are playing out of position. I mean, Auburn doesn't have a true point guard right now. And Saniya Wells has stepped up. She's averaging 10 points a game, and she's the one of, one of Auburn's best scorers this year. Honesty stepped up as well. And then look in the low post, what, what AC and, and, and Jayla Jordan's doing. Jayla's not a true five. We don't have a true point guard or a true five. And, and we've had kids step up, such as Jayla and, and Saniya and others. So, so these kids, I mean, they're, they're doing what's asked of them. You know, and, and as Auburn fans, that's what we wanted for our players, to do what's asked of them by the coaching staff. We're doing that. They're getting coached. They're putting their all into this program. I, now it's time for the, the fan base and us to, to pour into them and give them a chance. Because if you look at Coach Jay's recruiting recruiting classes coming in, a top 20 class in the country, and what Coach Starkey has been able to do and Coach Katera, Coach D, they're, they're doing a heck, of a, a heck of a job. And they're only going to continue to turn heads as, as this thing progresses. Because – they get through this year. This year, no question, is a building year. But don't be surprised. Year two, year three, this team starts climbing the pecking order in the SEC. And I think sooner rather than later, again, two, three years, they're going to end up in the top 25. You're on the call for a lot of Auburn softball games as well. And don't look now. We're only about a month away from the start of the season. What's going on with the softball program? Man, I, I was just following Jeff Shear on Twitter. He was out at practice yesterday as his team's getting going. And um, I, I tell you what, Noah, I'm going to be honest. You know about as much as I do right now because of, I've, I've just been in Zoom with Auburn basketball. But um, from from Auburn, I, I can tell you, and Coach Dean and talking to him, uh, he's got a lot of sound leaders on this team. I think the dugout – the energy in that dugout is going to be a lot different this year. I had a chance to talk to him uh, right before Christmas break when fall ball was ending up, and um, he really likes where they're at. He's got a good, young, talented freshman class coming in. I, I have no clue what to expect uh, from, from the defense. I, I think you're going to see players returning starters from last year playing in new positions, and we're going to be seeing a lot of new faces in the infield and the outfield that we just haven't seen before at Auburn due to departures and, and seniors graduating and whatnot. So we will see a lot of new faces, but the, the, the big key for Auburn is is who they have in the circle coming back with, with Shelby Lowe, Matty Penta, K.K. Dismukes and company. I mean, uh, that, that three right there, and then if you add another arm or two in there along with them, they have the chance to be really good in the SEC with those three arms, but we all know – you got to score runs, and, and, and nobody knows that more than Coach Dean. And I know that'll be one of the big focal points this year is how Auburn can produce offense. How they're going to do that right now? No, I I can't tell you. I'm, I'm not sure. I have no idea what uh, what their roster right now is looking like, top to bottom, in terms of just in terms of a depth chart. Practice just started. When I've asked Coach uh, Coach Dean and coaches in the past, nine times out of ten, the coaches can't tell you right now when when you have that much turnover. So. Uh, I think we need to give them another two, three weeks of practice. And then around February 1st, I, I think that's when we'll start to get a sense, get an idea at practice as to as to what that starting rotation could look like. But we all know like in, in the first uh, week, first two, three weeks of the season, you're, you're going to see a lot of substitutions in it. Don't be surprised by that. And then by early March, I think we'll see a, a steady starting lineup. But I, uh, one player I, I am excited to see back that, that had a really good year last year was Michaela Packer. Um, she was Auburn's starting center fielder last year, one of, one of the top hitters in the lineup. 
uh, just blazing speed. I think she was one of the fastest kids, if not the fastest in the SEC. Uh, she's one of the tops that, that I'll be looking forward to to seeing defensively and offensively. But, you know, in, in the defense, just thinking about who's going around, I mean, there, there's a lot of holes to fill in that defense. I mean, you, you lost Justice Perry. You lost Alyssa Rivera. Um, a, a couple other kids moved on. I mean, it, it, it's, it's like I said, it, it's just going to be a totally different makeup this year. But nonetheless, is excited to have back because we all know SEC softball it's about as exciting as it gets, and I think one of the most underrated sports in the conference. Of course, I know you're in Missouri, but you probably saw some big news today. Just a quick question to you about football. What did you think about Zach Calzada? Man, I was pumped about that. I was at lunch with a friend, and uh, former Auburn grad who works here at Missouri. Uh, actually, uh, Noah, you'll appreciate this, former uh, Weagle uh, sports director, Jacob Bell. And uh, we were talking about it at lunch, and uh, man, if I thought initially think it's a really good fit for, for Coach Harson. I mean, we all know that coming in with, with Bo Nix transferring that, you know, the quarterback was, was going to be a big vacancy. And, and the, Auburn's, uh, Auburn's year next year will depend on who, who fills that vacancy. Well, that, that's a pretty good get, in my opinion, uh, in the transfer portal. And credit to Coach Harson and, and his staff because, uh, again, they, they, they've hit the ground running, I think, since the season's ended. And um, I, I – like I said, we got to give those those guys a chance to build, and I, I think they're doing a pretty solid job. Of. Brett, we appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today. Have a good call tonight. Hey, guys, appreciate it. War Eagle. That was Britt Bowen, Auburn women's basketball play-by-play announcer with us on the show today here in hour number one. When we come back, we'll tell you what's on TV tonight as well as get back into talking about Auburn football, adding the addition of transfer quarterback Zach Calzada. Back on On the Line on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Noah Gardner here with you for the Thursday edition of the show. Big thank you there to Britt Bowen, Auburn women's basketball play-by-play announcer, for joining me in that previous segment. Big game for Auburn women's basketball tonight. A chance to beat the team that beat the number one team in the country. At Missouri, 7 p.m. SEC Network Plus. Auburn at 8-4, Missouri at 12-2. Before we get out of here for hour number one, let's take a listen to What's On TV tonight. Hey everybody, it's Noah Gardner with What's On Tonight. Two new episodes of Law & Order are on with Special Victims Unit at 8 and Organized Crime at 9. Movie selection for tonight, Sylvester Stallone is the king of sequels. Rambo, Last Blood is on Sci-Fi at 6 p.m. In live sports, let's take a look at the college basketball schedule for tonight. Starting the action at 6 p.m. on FS1, number 13 Ohio State is at Indiana. Also at 6 but on ESPN2, Maryland is at Illinois. At 7 p.m. on CBS Sports Network, UAB is at North Texas. Moving to the 8 p.m. time slot, Iowa is at number 23, Wisconsin on FS1, and Washington State is at Colorado on ESPN2. Wrapping up the night at 10 p.m. on FS1, number 7, USC is at California. The NBA schedule has two games on TNT starting at 6.30. The New York Knicks host the Boston Celtics, and at 9, it's the battle for Los Angeles as the Clippers take on the Lakers. I'm Noah Gardner, and that's what's on TV tonight. Back live on On the Line, Noah Gardner with you on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Number to call, 334-321-1390. We'll be taking your calls during the commercial break, so please call in coming up here in the next four minutes as we head to our number two. Zach Calzada, the news today as he transfers to Auburn and the vibe, the pulse that I get from social media, from different people that I've talked to, they don't like it. 
They don't like it. And I understand every single point that they make because he wasn't that good at Texas A&M. He wasn't. You look at the numbers, you look at the play. It looked a lot like T.J. Finley. I think he's a little bit better, and I think he does make the quarterback room better, and the competition is going to make these guys better. And at the end of the day, Auburn's quarterback position, albeit it may be marginally, it will be better next year. But the reason why people are disappointed is because so many people put hope into the transfer portal that Auburn was going to be able to go and find a quarterback that was going to change Auburn's hopes for next year was going to change Auburn's outlook for next year they saw Caleb Williams and they got their hopes up and I still think there are some other names that Auburn could go and get in the portal they very well are not done yet you could look at Athens go a little bit down the depth chart and find a former five-star quarterback that may be wanting to play just saying top of that Casey Thompson listed Auburn inside his top five schools At least that's reportedly. Now, I think Nebraska's the true team to beat there, but he had a good year at Texas this season. Up and down, but a pretty good year. One of the better years left in the transfer portal, let's just say that. And then there's Cameron Ward out of Incarnate Word. Now, he had an awesome statistical season, but there's still the FCS to FBS jump. Who would you have taken in the transfer portal outside of Caleb Williams that was left available starting today? Because there weren't that many options. Let's just be honest. There weren't. Who would you have taken that Auburn was in on? It's not like Auburn's not trying. So I think it's important to at least look at this situation and say this is a guy that can help Auburn get better. How much? is determined by this coaching staff's ability to develop him. And so earlier when I was talking about grit and dedication and determination as innate qualities that Zach Calzada showed at Texas A&M, why I think that's a good thing for Auburn, he's going to need it. If he's going to improve to the level that Auburn fans want him to, you at least better get a guy who personality-wise fits what this coaching staff wants in their culture is going to be coachable. Everybody wants to go and get the five-star transfer, but the reality is this guy may come to work and end up being a really good quarterback. And then those folks out there that were not excited about this, they're going to have an egg on their face. And coincidentally, a lot of those folks were the same people that wanted to see T.J. Finley start over Bo Nix. And I got that wrong at one point this season. I backed off of it in a hurry after I saw the LSU game. I'll tell you that. The reality is this coaching staff, give them time. Let's see how it plays out. I said this a couple of segments ago. When have we seen Auburn in successive years reach total disaster and catastrophe? Now, that doesn't mean that it can't happen. But Auburn has done a pretty good job of not stringing together multiple losing seasons in their history. So don't blame me for having some optimism about Auburn eventually finding a way to piece it all together this offseason. One more hour of On the Line coming up.
are on the line. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn on ESPN 1067 or online on foxsports983.com and ESPNAU.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw. Join the show by calling in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7000. Hour number two of On the Line. Noah Gardner with you on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Fun hour number one so far. We have Brent Bowen of Auburn Women's Basketball join us on the program. He's the play-by-play announcer for the women's basketball team as well as we talked about Zach Calzada's transfer to Auburn at length, and we'll continue that into hour number two. Phone lines are open during the commercial breaks. Call in at 334-321-1390. We'll have Scott Bagwell, Auburn High Sports Network, play-by-play announcer and varsity boys basketball assistant coach here in hour number two. Talk to us a little bit about what's going on with the Auburn High School boys basketball team as well as that everything's going on in the collegiate sports realm also. We're going to start off hour number two, though, as we do every day with Making Headlines. Making Headlines. Bounce around all the different things going on in the collegiate sports realm. Of course, the news today is Zach Calzada transferring to Auburn. And if you haven't heard this yet, you live under a rock or you still have a flip phone. One of the two. Or you just weren't listening to the radio earlier. I don't know. Everybody's been talking about it. You would have a hard time not hearing about this and or somebody grumbling about it. I don't know why people got to act like this. Be happy Auburn got somebody in the portal, first of all. He was not the first choice, I don't think, for many fans out there. But that doesn't mean he can end up... That doesn't mean he can't end up being good. Doesn't mean he can't end up improving. We saw him improve at Texas A&M. So that should tell you that he probably will improve over the offseason going into his second full year of playing football. And this coaching staff has improved the quarterbacks that are in their own quarterback room time and time again, whether it was at Boise State or this year with Bo Nix at Auburn. So I can't predict the future, and I've said this for three, four days now, so don't get mad at me for having a little bit of optimism. I can't predict the future. This could end up being disastrous or it could end up being what holds the team together. But what I'm continuing to say to folks is that Auburn's not done yet. Auburn's not done in the transfer portal. I don't think they're done at quarterback. I think they're going to attempt to find another one that fits what they're looking for from a personality Scheme, culture fit. All three of those things. And I think Zach Calzada, they found that. I think he's a fit. Now, how much better he is next year and how you view this transfer for Auburn, that is determined by the fact or the reality do you trust this coaching staff to develop quarterbacks. And I get it. Auburn fans, they're scarred by that. They have trust issues in that area just as much as the next person. Time and time again, Auburn has had a quarterback development issue, so I get it. Had someone earlier today text me, you're an Auburn fan, right? 
How do you still have optimism? Well, here's how. I've yet to see the program for successive years in my lifetime fall into complete destruction. I wasn't alive for the Doug Barfield years. I wasn't alive for the 1970s. So I recognize that there is a large portion of the Auburn fan base that has seen this. But in my lifetime, I've seen 2012. I've seen 2008. And I saw the early 2000s. Albeit I was very young during that time period, but I know my Auburn football. And in experiencing that, Auburn always found a way to rebound or hold it all together without falling into total destruction for successive years. Now, it may not have been competing for the SEC championship right away, but they at least got back to eight wins, eight and five, which is not what you should aspire to do. But it is true. Auburn has not put together back-to-back losing seasons in quite some time. So the past is not always the truth of the future. But trends do tell you a little bit about how things will unfold down the line. So until Auburn absolutely falls apart, I'm going to trust this coaching staff to find a way to keep it all together. And right now, for some reason, there are two sides in this divided fan base that some believe this is headed towards disaster and others are still holding on to hope and optimism. And I think this Zach Calzada move for Auburn is going to be a good thing at the end of the day. In some way, this will end up being a good thing for Auburn. Whether he ends up being a backup here, he's going to be one of the better backups in the entire Southeastern Conference. Auburn's going to have a deep quarterback room, mind you. Whenever they find their starter, Auburn likewise will have one of the best backups in the SEC. Now, they may have a below-average starter, but Auburn's going to have multiple dudes in the quarterback room to choose from come next August, next September. They're going to have multiple guys to choose from. There's going to be a quarterback competition, and the best guy that Heat is going to forge the best player to give Auburn a chance to win. And I think it's going to be an improvement at the quarterback position compared to where Auburn ended this season with T.J. Finley. And it could be T.J. Finley starting next year still. The competition could make T.J. Finley a better quarterback. I just think it's wild to me. It is. It's wild to me that Auburn fans could grumble over this move. That there could be a sector of people out there where Auburn gets a guy who's coming to the Auburn family and people are going to be ticked off about it. Welcome the guy. Be hopeful. It is January 2022. We are eight months away from the start of the regular season. Now is not the time to grumble like this. At least wait till the spring game. That's my only take on the matter. Moving around to some of the other headlines, Alabama basketball handled business in Gainesville, winning 83-70 to over Florida last night to advance to 2-0 in SEC play. Some takeaways from Alabama's performance against Florida. It was a 47-point second half against the Gators to erase a halftime deficit of three points. It was not a good first half for Alabama by any means. I don't think it was a complete performance by Alabama even in the second half albeit they played a lot better in the second half outscored Florida by 16 in the second half 
I still don't think it was a highly efficient performance by Alabama. Yet again, Alabama played a game where they weren't overly consistent. But I will say this, the last two games have been an improvement since the end of non-conference play where they were suffering losses to teams that were unranked and in the mid-major level of college basketball. They didn't shoot a high percentage yesterday, shot about 40% from the floor, less than 30% from three. They shot 28% from three, but they played with energy in the second half. They got 20 offensive rebounds. That's a lot. Without those extra possessions, this game's this game is a lot closer, if not a loss. Alabama either loses this game or it is down to the wire if they don't get those extra possessions. Because who knows what Florida does with the basketball if Alabama doesn't score on those possessions, if they clear the glass and they go on the other end. Florida may not score, but they also may score. So it's either going to bring the score closer or it could be a Florida win. The offensive rebounds had a large degree to do with Alabama winning last night they had 72 shot attempts to Florida who was in the 50s those extra shots I mean Alabama only shot 40 percent Florida shot like 42 or 44 percent the extra shot attempts are why Alabama was able to win the game Alabama has the green light to shoot threes like previous Auburn basketball teams have but the difference is you look at Auburn's game against South Carolina on the road earlier this week Auburn shot 13 threes and albeit it wasn't Always throughout the entire performance for Auburn, it wasn't an entirely efficient performance. There's about a stretch of five or six minutes where Auburn wasn't playing very well. But Auburn didn't just start hoisting up threes out of frustration or laziness. Auburn continued to work, get the ball into the paint. They only shot 13 threes, made six of them. That's a good percentage. They got to the charity stripe and made their free throws. Right now, Alabama is choosing to shoot through it from beyond the arc. They have the green light, but not a lot of control out of that backcourt right now. So once again, without those offensive rebounds of cleaning up those misses, I think Alabama would have died by the three. This team is living and dying by the three this year, and I know that's a cliche for a lot of teams, but it's a true statement when you look at how Alabama's playing basketball right now. Their front court played one of its better games this season. Juwan Gary and Charles Bediaco combined for 30 points on 11 for 19 shooting and 7 for 8 from the charity stripe. They added 15 rebounds between the two of them, 4 steals, and 3 blocks. Unfortunately for those guys, the bench did not help them with Ambrose Hilton, Miles, and Gurley having forgettable evenings with limited minutes. A couple of those guys only got like 6 minutes. Alabama truly, in terms of their rotation, it was about a 7-man rotation yesterday. Alabama is not deep in the front court, so if those guys don't make efficiency and energy a consistent thing like they did in the second half, Alabama will struggle to beat beefier teams in the front court like Auburn, like Tennessee. Granted, I know they beat Tennessee. It was a close game. Kentucky with Oscar Shibway. Not to mention, there isn't always going to be a safeguard of the three-point shot falling, going back to living and dying by the three. We've said this time and time again, and I don't think Alabama is completely out of this stage yet. I think they're improving marginally on a game-to-game basis, but they're not out of this stage yet. They are still a work in progress in multiple areas such as defense, shot selection, ball movement, playing as a team. They beat Gonzaga. They beat Houston this year. Everybody got super excited, thought that this team was going to be national championship caliber, and they still can be. 
But for Alabama, this year, timing is everything because it's not if this team will heat up, it's when this team will heat up. They will heat up at some point. They may only heat up for a half like they did last night. They may heat up for five games in a row in March in the NCAA tournament. It's not if, it's when. And when they do, how long they stay hot, how well they play as a team during that time period, timing's going to determine everything. It's going to determine the success of Alabama's season. When Alabama peaks and plays their best, at what point that is the last time they do that will determine the success of the season. If it happens just prior to the SEC tournament and then they have a bunch of duds in tournament play this year, well, it wasn't a successful season. And one of the most talented teams in Alabama history ended up doing nothing. That's the type of situation that Alabama is in moving forward until they reach a point where they play better as a team and they clean up some of their issues. And the question is, can they clean up those issues or is this team going to continue to play the way that they do? And it's a fun brand of basketball and they're a very good team and they still very much so can win 20 to 25 games this year. They can still win the regular season SEC championship. They're 2-0 and with wins over Tennessee and Florida. That's about as good of a resume as anybody else has in the SEC at this point amongst conference wins. That is the best resume amongst conference wins. Those are two top half and then one top four team in the SEC. Auburn's got a good resume on it, and I still think Auburn's the best team in the SEC. Alabama's done a very good job, and that's also what's scary about Alabama is that they're not playing their best right now, and they're still winning. At some point, they're going to start playing their best, and what does that mean? It means they're able to beat teams like Gonzaga. It means they're able to beat teams like Duke. This Alabama team's going to get in the mix at the end of the year. It's not if, it's when. Timing is everything for this Alabama team because like they will heat up, heat is transferable. It is energy that is transferable. So just like you'll heat up, they will cool down. It's all about timing for this Alabama basketball team. Moving around to another headline, going back to college football. Oklahoma transfer quarterback Caleb Williams released as top five teams. Auburn is not included. Shockingly, Maryland is. Alongside teams such as LSU, Oklahoma, Penn State. He's got an interesting top five. I'll be interested to see where he goes. If he ends up at LSU, that is going to create quite the quarterback battle between himself, Miles Brennan, and their top five quarterback that they have coming in that Miles Kelly took that uh, or that Brian Kelly excuse me took that social media video with where it was really awkward playing country music and they were going around in a circle on a stage didn't understand it it was really really awkward but they're gonna have some good players in that room and some young players in that room other than Miles Brennan so they're gonna have Miles Brennan with experience and then two young guys that can certainly throw the football and make some things happen Texas transfer quarterback Casey Thompson included Auburn among his top five teams, but I believe Nebraska is the favorite there, so there's another potential transfer out there that Auburn could get in the portal, but I don't imagine any of the names that like people have brought to the forefront of their mind, those now don't feel as likely to me now that Zach Calzada is coming to Auburn. Like, Why would Casey Thompson come here now that Zach Calzada is here? I don't get the vibe that Casey Thompson, with only a couple of years left of eligibility in college football, is looking for a quarterback competition. I think he's looking to go and play somewhere right away and help elevate that team to start winning. And Nebraska makes perfect sense for that. Nebraska lost a lot of games this year. They lost nine games, but all of them were by one possession or less. So they really weren't that far away from ball eligibility this year, despite a 3-9 record. They were the best 3-9 football team we've seen in quite some time. He could take them from 3-9 to 6-6. Six and six. 
Because what they were lacking was a quarterback that could consistently make the plays that they needed to down the stretch to close out in some of those close football games. Should have beat Iowa at the end of the year. What happened? The offense fell apart and Iowa came back. So Casey Thompson in Nebraska makes a lot of sense. Where Caleb Williams will go, there are a lot of places that make sense for that. LSU, Penn State, Ole Miss, a lot of places. Another transfer out there, former TCU and five-star running back Zach Evans, speaking of Ole Miss, announced he is transferring to Ole Miss. Former five-star running back, was a top running back in his class a couple of seasons ago, according to some recruiting services. Zach Evans, now Ole Miss, has a stud at running back. Not to say that Jerry Neely wasn't very good or wasn't a good running back or Snoop Connor. All those guys were pretty good. This guy's a five-star. This guy's the real deal. People were slapping second-round draft projections onto Zach Evans out of high school. Now Ole Miss, if they could go and find a quarterback now that Matt Corral's going on to the NFL, if they can go and find a quarterback alongside Zach Evans, this offense reloaded, and he hoped that it was going to take a break, well, they just got a former five-star running back that produced over 1,000 yards and over seven yards per carry at TCU. At TCU. Don't talk to me about Auburn not being able to run the football. Like, Auburn cannot make excuses. Auburn can't be like, well, we don't have that good of an offensive line. We don't have a passing game. TCU went below 500 this year, and their running back still averaged over seven yards per carry. If you can run the football, you can run the football. And Zach Evans is going to a place that knows how to run the football. That's a team that could put up 300 yards on any day against anybody. And they just got a dude who's averaging over seven yards per carry across not one, but two seasons. Zach Evans is going to be really good. You are going to hear that name again inside the Southeastern Conference. Speaking of Ole Miss, still staying with them, ESPN is reporting that DJ Durkin, that's the defensive coordinator for Ole Miss, that he is headed to Texas A&M to be the Aggies' next defensive coordinator. And he did really well with that Ole Miss defense this year. That was abysmal last season. They improved this year. As much as I was down on them in the offseason, they got a lot better this year. Enough to be serviceable against some pretty good offenses out there. Now, I wasn't one of the top four, top five defenses in the SEC, but it improved from being the worst to in the middle of the pack. And now Durkin is going to Texas A&M where they are loaded with defensive talent. You look at all the guys that is brought in in this year's recruiting class, and there are more. There's like three or four more five-stars that A&M could get in February. The apocalypse is coming in the Southeastern Conference with Texas A&M recruiting the way that they are if they continue. Alabama had an excellent class. Georgia had an excellent class that Texas A&M did. Now the question is, can Jimbo Fisher win with it? And if Jimbo Fisher can't win, can't make a college football playoff with this recruiting class, I don't know what to tell you. They've got a player that is ranked higher historically than Miles Garrett was, and we all see what Miles Garrett's doing on Sundays. A&M's class is loaded at DJ Durkin. This is a chance for him to potentially get back to being a head coach. I know it's a checkered past for him with what happened at Maryland, but this is a chance for DJ Durkin to continue to climb the coaching ranks and get back to relevancy after what happened at Maryland. He is going to have a lot of talent, and I think he's a pretty good defensive coordinator at that. Let's take a quick break here when we come back. We're going to talk a little bit more about Zach Calzada. Phone lines are now open. Call us during the commercial breaks. 334-321-1390. 
Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner with you on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Phone lines are open. Number to call, 334-321-1390. Before we get back to the show, let's take a listen to the Radio Alabama Sports Minute to talk about the headlines going on in sports. I'm Noah Gardner with your Radio Alabama Sports Minute. Alabama men's basketball used a second-half push to overcome a halftime deficit at Florida last night to win 83-70. The 15th-ranked Crimson Tide advanced to 11-3 with a win and 2-0 in SEC play. It wasn't the best of shooting performances for Alabama, shooting 40.3% from the field and 28.1% from three. Nonetheless, the Tide put together a 47-point second half to seal the victory. Ford Jawan Gary and guard Javon Quinterly shared the team lead in points with 19 apiece. Gary added a team-high eight rebounds to his stat line, while Quinterly also led the team in assists with five. All five of the Alabama starters scored in double figures, while the bench put up just seven points over the night. Alabama's next game is on the road against Missouri at 2.30 p.m. on SEC Network. The loss dropped Florida to 9-4 overall and 0-1 in conference play. They will travel to the Plains to play Auburn on Saturday at 8 p.m. on ESPN2. Looking at the other lone score in the SEC last night, Tennessee was favored to win by 17 over Ole Miss, but the Vols were taken to overtime on their home floor as number 18 Tennessee edged out Ole Miss 66-60. A top 25 battle saw number 11 Iowa State beat number 25 Texas Tech 51-47. For local and regional sports content, visit RadioAlabamaSports.net and Radio Alabama Sports on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to stay updated. I'm Noah Gardner, and that's your Radio Alabama Sports Minute. Back live on On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Going to head to the phone lines now, 334-321-1390. Travis is on the line with us. Travis? Hey, no, you got me? Yeah, man. How you doing? Uh, I mean, <laughs> been better. I guess that's a routine nowadays. Seems like a, I keep telling y'all, been, been better every time I call. But, uh, you know, I think me and Terry, I heard Terry's call earlier. I think me and he, him are on the same page. I, I don't like to be negative, especially when it comes to Auburn, because to me it, it don't get us nowhere to just sit around and kind of mope about whatever situation it is in, in any sport. Um, but I, I got some questions for you, Noah. Who has more talent between Texas A&M and Auburn? A&M does. Uh, I, I mean, who do we think is a better coach, Jimbo Fisher or Brian Horst? Right now, Jimbo Fisher. And, you know, we I guess we go with Jimbo as far as a quarterback developer in the SEC. I don't want to bring in the group of five into this. SEC-wise, yes. The track record for Jimbo Fisher developing quarterbacks exceeds what Brian Harson's done right now. And then, of course, you know, who has better receivers, Texas A&M or Auburn, and same thing with offensive line. I think that both goes in Texas A&M's favor. And 100%. So Calzada was average with – with more talent than what he's stepping into at all. Below average. And so, below average. And, and so does anybody, if anybody expects this guy to do any better than what he did at A&M with 17 touchdowns, nine interceptions, and I know he was a first-time starter. I know he's only a sophomore and kids get better, but, I mean, goodness, it, it, you can't have a lot of confidence in him when he's going to a program with less around him. Uh, he, he's got a better running back. That's probably the only position that Auburn has that was better than Texas A&M. And, and I mean, you know, he, he went to, he, he went eight and four, lost the teams he wasn't supposed to, and then beat Alabama at home. So that's about what what Auburn fans expect, isn't it? 
Travis, here's what I'll say in response, though, and I disagree with you only on one thing, and I've said this. I said all of what you just said earlier in the show when I was talking about him in the first segment. I said, look, he's going to a less talented team, less players on it right now that were difference makers than A&M had, worse defense, all of the above. I agree with all that. But he's not transferring to the team right now, like the way the roster looks at this moment. He's not transferring to the 2021 Auburn Tigers. He's transferring to the 2022 Auburn Tigers. And Zach Calzada in 2021 is not the same Zach Calzada in 2022. I think we need to leave room for improvement for not just the players on the roster as well as additions coming in to help him out, but also Zach Calzada can get better. Well, also, isn't it fair to say that he's going to have more weight on his shoulders at Auburn than he did Texas A&M? If that's the case, I don't think we need to expect much out of this guy at all. I do think he's better than TJ. Don't get me wrong. But and, and another thing, on bringing in another portal quarterback, Noah, you don't transfer because you want to get into a competition. If Calzada wanted to be in a competition, he would have stayed at Texas A&M, battled it out with Max Johnson. You transfer because you're you're told that you're going to be the guy. Uh, you know, you you sell that competition pitch to high school kids. You come in, compete against older guys, get better, and work your way up. You don't do that with portal guys. Auburn isn't getting another transfer portal quarterback. I think this is their guy. And, and if they do get another portal quarterback, then Calzada's just going to transfer again because he, he just ran from competition at Texas A&M. So what makes you think that he's going to try to stick it out at Auburn? My response to that is T.J. Finley from last year. Did they tell him he was going to be the starter? And if they did, he wasn't. <laughs> No, 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 no. That was just for a backup purpose, and uh, and and I think that in that case, Max Johnson was younger than Bo Nix, and I thought that you know they told TJ, you know, come in, play a year behind Bo. Bo's going to go pro, which I guess that's what they thought. Uh, but whatever. And TJ just obviously can't get it done, so they have to. I, I agree with him going to the portal, but this ain't the guy. I didn't I didn't expect to get Caleb Williams, but Casey Thompson was my guy, and that's I, I wanted the other guy. Just don't see him coming to Auburn. Travis, we appreciate the call, my man. All right, guys. War Eagle. That was Travis on the line with us. Casey Thompson was my guy, too. When I saw that last night, reportedly, Auburn was among their top five, I was like, oh, yeah. All right, this thing still may work out. I still think things can work out with Zach Calzada. I'm more optimistic than the average fan about it. But I understand all the points that people are making about it. Let's just be a little optimistic, though. I think there's a lot of room for Auburn to be successful if they can go and find some offensive linemen and wide receivers in the transfer portal. That's the real task. More of On the Line on the other side of this break. Stay tuned. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner with you on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Scott Bagwell, Auburn High Sports Network play-by-play announcer, as well as Auburn High School boys basketball assistant coach. Scott, how are you doing today? Good, Noah. How are you doing? 
doing really well. Happy New Year to you. This is the first time I've talked to you on the other side of the new year, and that's exactly where I want to go back to. Last week, the last time we talked, you were preparing for a three-game stretch in LaGrange. I know you might not have been with the team over those three games, but what happened for the Auburn High team as they went and challenged themselves across the border? Yeah, we went two and one. Um, two wins and a learning experience because in the loss, we, we, we should have won. When you give up 37 points, you should win that game. But uh, it's another learning experience that when we don't play as we need to, then we're going to struggle. Uh, and when you get beat 37-35 on a buzzer beater, um, there's a lot of opportunity for learning experiences. Uh, got a win over Marietta and Riverdale. Um, and then lost to an, an athletic, well-coached, and, and um, a good Lovejoy team. Uh, but it's a, it's a game that we felt like we should uh, we should have won if we would have played the game that we know that we're capable of. Um, and, and in the second half of the Riverdale game might have been as, as well as we've played all year long. Um, but uh, it, it's it's all kind of gearing up towards next week. You know, we played Opelika. Earlier this week, and for stretches of that game, we played really well. And then right out of the stretches, we got lackadaisical and open like to hit shots. Um, but, you know, area play is a different beast. And uh, in our area, if you don't play hard for four quarters, you, you, you can find yourself in a momentum swing that you're not able to stop. And in our, in our losses this year, there's been times where we just – look like a team that that has no direction and and we got to find a way to get rid of that backing up to the opelika game this past monday how did the team do and then moving into the lochapoca game this friday what types of things are you guys looking to clean up on this side of the new year you know we got a win which uh you know every time you get a win against your big rival it's uh it's a good thing Uh, we were up by um 20 points in the third quarter and into the fourth up by about uh, 17 or 18 with a couple minutes left. And then, um, you know, we subbed. And and when we subbed, we had people who were trying to find ways to get minutes for who then, you know, they they let Opelika go on a, a 9-10-0 run and cuts the game to a single-digit game, and that's where it finished. But, you know, it's a win. Uh, and, again, we just got to keep finding finding ways to learn and grow. Um this this whole season and, and I keep I keep telling the team and and uh, telling this all the time is guys whatever you are in December and early January that's great but there's so much time to grow from January to March and February or, or February and March Oak Mountain last year was struggled early and then they got hot they figured out who they were and they won a state championship. So we're st- still trying to figure out that identity uh, going into the Loach Poker game. They're going to present a big challenge for us. They're going to be athletic. We went to their place and got a win back in December. So they're going to be hungry. They're going to want to upset. Uh, you know, and anytime you get a, a smaller classification against a bigger classification, uh, that team's going to come in hungry and they're going to want to play well. And that's what we're expecting. And for us, it's the last tune-up before we go to Smith Station on Tuesday night next week. Um, so and also we only have three more home games so for us it's limited number of opportunities to play in front of our fans and we need to take advantage of it of course you mentioned area play how are each of those teams in the area run through them all what are they shaping up to look like at this point in the season you know smith station they uh they play so hard and and 
I get that's cliche and I understand that, but that's kind of when you start when you start with Smith Station, you start talking about what they do well. They're going to get after you. They're going to play hard, and uh, you're going to have to match that intensity. And if you don't, especially at their place, you're gonna you're gonna find yourself um, in, in a fight. And uh, they don't lose at home often. Uh, we haven't beat them at their place in uh, seven or eight years. Um, you know their record is. I think their record is like twelve and seven, but they're seven and two at home, and their losses at home are to teams that have um, pretty darn uh, high goals on the year. One of them being, I know, Enterprise, or um, yeah, Enterprise, who has a chance to win a state championship this year. So um, it's going to be a it's going to be a tough challenge when we go there. And Smith plays Central this week, so you know area play for everybody starts to kind of get a feel. And Central is kind of the ultimate, we don't know, new head coach um, who has won a state title. He won a state title at Hoover a couple of years ago. They're 9-9 nine and nine on the year, but they have played any and everybody this year. They've played teams in Alabama. They've played teams in Georgia. they played Lee, who's historically really, really good, straight up twice. So, um, you know, at this point in time, I'm not really looking at a lot of uh, – Wins and losses as far as the record, but how are they playing recently? And because at the end of the day, it's a, it's a four, it's a four game season, you know, Hoover. And I know I mentioned them a couple of times, Hoover a couple of years ago were 500 and go play for a state championship. So it's all about who can figure out who they are in the end of January and into February and who can get hot. Of course, you talk about guard play going into tournament time at any level of basketball that's what can carry you through to being able to compete for championships what's the backcourt look like for your bunch at this point Jaden Buckley looks to be playing some really good basketball right now yeah yeah for us uh, our guards especially our our point guard and our off the ball guard are uh our strength um we're better when everybody else gets involved but we're best when Jai Carr, who's averaging 15 a game, and Buckley averaging over 17 a game, are involved and they're playing unselfishly. Um, and and also they're doing more than scoring. For Buckley, you know, 6'1", 6'2", 30, 33, 34, 35-inch vertical, and maybe even more than that, when he's rebounding and he's playing defense and he's doing everything like that, that's when he helps us the most on top of the scoring. When Jai's able to get other people involved, when he's able to – share the ball, get steals, get rebounds. That's when, you know, he's at his best for us. There was a stretch against Opelika where, you know, we had Ja, Buck, uh, Jaden Weekfall, Caden Brown all around 10, 8 to 12 points, and they kind of looked at me, you know, and they said, hey, Coach, this is kind of fun. I'm like, yeah, when we share the ball and everybody's involved and everybody has an impact in the game, that's when basketball is fun, and that's what we need to get them to realize. Um that we we can't just rely on the two guards. We have to get the ball inside. You know, Carter Davis has to hit some shots. He's got to be a factor in in the paint area on offense and defense. Caden Brown's got to be able to 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 be a factor as a post player because you know the guards make everything go. But if you can't get a rebound and your post players are getting dominated, then uh, the guards can only do so much. Speaking with Scott Bagwell, Auburn High Sports Network play-by-play announcer as well as Auburn High Varsity Boys basketball assistant coach. Scott, switching to the baseball diamond for a second. I know it's only January, and I'm sure 
if conditioning hasn't started yet it will start eventually but you and I were on the call half a year ago for a state championship what's this baseball team look like as the winter months drag on we're only a month away from the start of the season yeah first pitch uh, actually looking at the schedule right now is February 18th so you got a little bit over a month and I believe that um that first practice is in a couple of weeks. Uh, you know, the way baseball is nowadays, there's always workouts going on, travel balls going on a lot. Um, you know, these kids play an awful lot of baseball nowadays, but uh, I know um, I'm, I'm actually able to look at it now. Throwing will start on the 10th. First practice is on the 31st, and then a couple of weeks later you'll have your, your chance to play your first game. Um, you know, this is an Auburn team that has to figure some things out. They are they are very talented. Uh, they got multiple D1 commits, um, but they got to replace a lot. You know, you're talking about your starting center fielder, your pitching staff for the most part, your your catchers. You got some people who will rotate in and will play catcher, but the starter, the main starter, is gone. Uh, your first baseman's gone. Shortstop gone. So there's some things that Auburn High needs to figure out, but as you you're aware of, and as most people around the state are aware of, Auburn will have talent being ready to fill in. They called up a freshman from the JV team last year and then put him in, penciled him in at the three hole, and then he just you know went out there and, and played really well. Um, you know, the, there's some guys coming up that I know the staff is very excited for. Uh, and uh, they went out and they got a challenging schedule, and it's an opportunity for Auburn to to go out and defend their title and uh they're gonna they're gonna challenge themselves and if they can make it to the postseason because i think it's the toughest area when it comes to baseball in the state um yeah auburn high is going to be considered one of the favorites to get back to montgomery and defend their state title of course also a local media personality when it comes to talking about auburn university athletics what is your take on this Auburn university men's basketball program after passing a test in columbia yesterday evening you know, uh, actually somebody asked me yesterday who the most important player on the team is, and I can't give you an answer because everything kind of fits together. The first statement was, well, it's well, it, it's Kessler because of what he adds on the defensive side. Somebody said, well, you know, maybe, but Jabari Smith and how talented he is, how the way, the way the guards play, but at the end of the day, it all fits in so well. To me, it, it has the make of a Final Four team. Um now that's tough to say in January, two games into SEC play, because the other thing is March is such a random, you know, yeah, how does the tournament going to play out? Nobody ever knows. But also Auburn hasn't been full strength. How are they going to gel? How are they going to mix when, when Flanagan comes back? If he's able to come in and add defense and add some scoring and they don't miss a beat, then this team goes 11 deep and – it, it it's one of those goes 11 deep where it's a true 11 deep. They don't really lose anything. I do think they are the best team in the SEC. Um, again, that's on, you know, in the early parts of January. So that doesn't mean a whole lot, but I think if they play to their full potential all year long, they'll win the SEC and they got a chance to make some noise and maybe be in New Orleans come on a four time. Spoken like a true basketball coach. You also coach some football. What's your take on the national championship coming up on Monday? You know, uh, heading into the SEC championship game, I'd have told you that I favored Georgia by a couple of scores. But you see that, and you see how that game goes, um, and you see how Bama's able to, in one week, go from an offensive line who got demolished against Auburn 
an offensive line who dominated Georgia. Now, you might say, well, they didn't get a lot of movement. They got 500-some-odd yards. I mean, I don't know how else you want to classify dominant. They were able to let Bryce Young do whatever he wanted to do. Um, you know, how does Bama pass the ball with only one of their elite receivers? They got plenty of talent, but but missing uh, Michi is a big deal. How does Georgia bounce back, and how do they deal with the hurdle that is Alabama? I think everybody knows the only thing on Kirby Smart's resume that's missing is the national championship, but really it's beating Bama. you got to beat Bama to get to a national championship. Does he finally overcome it? You know, I, I say that step one to beating Alabama is always quarterback play. Does Georgia get enough against Bama? Bennett has been good enough and great against everybody else just not against Bama. How quick is that leash? Is he playing while looking over his shoulder? Does Georgia just have whatever it is to beat Bama? I'm not sure. And uh, my thought process has always been until you beat Bama, I don't pick you to beat Bama. So I think Bama's going to win another national championship. Scott, I appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today. Good luck throughout this week with the Lochapoca game on Friday and then area play starting next week. We look to talk to you soon again, my friend. Appreciate it, bud. Have a good one. Last segment of the Thursday edition of On the Line. It's been a fun show, and if you missed any of it, go and find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Talked a lot about Zach Calzada's transfer to Auburn. Alabama basketball dominating Florida in the second half yesterday to win 83-73. 83-70, excuse me, in Gainesville. We've had a really fun show today, as well as our couple of guests, Britt Bowen, Auburn women's basketball play-by-play announcer, and Scott Bagwell in our previous segment, Auburn High Sports Network play-by-play announcer and varsity boys basketball assistant coach. We're going to go back to our phone line now for our last call of the day. Mark is on the line with us. Mark, how's it going? It's going great, guy. And I want to tell you, I'm usually last anyway. Hey, uh, <laughs> but not one least. thing, I... I really enjoy this show. I wish you guys would come on at 11 as opposed to what we have on this channel, but that's just my opinion, uh, and run it for a lot longer. But I want to get back to the Zach Calzada. I think Auburn's fan base has more experts than any school in the country. Uh, Jimbo Fisher must have thought this guy was a good quarterback because he brought him to Texas A&M. He gave him the starting job once their starter got hurt. And Harson's got enough confidence in him to bring him in. And the one point that you made the last call is really good, is that we're not playing 2021's Auburn University team. We are playing the people that they bring in. And he's still making changes, and he's still getting his team in place. And he's got a pretty good running back or two behind him, which will help. Now, I know the offensive line needs some help, and the defense should be pretty solid. So, that's my view. I uh, look forward to it, and I really enjoy your show. I appreciate the kind words, Mark. I hope you have a great day in War Eagle. War Eagle, buddy. That was Mark on the line with us. Most optimistic call I've had today. I love all my callers. I love everybody calling in, and I understand everyone's concerns with this, if you do have concerns with it. But I wish people would be a little bit more open to the idea that this guy can actually be pretty good. Because I thought he was serviceable at Texas A&M this past year. Now he wasn't great. I was critical of his play for a large part of this season. I thought he was a big part of what held A&M back at times. But you also have to look at the situation. 
He wasn't supposed to be the starter this year. He was supposed to continue to learn and develop, and some guys just take longer than others. He wasn't a former five-star superstar, but I thought he played his heart out through injury several times. Go back and watch the Alabama game, and then you come back and tell me that this guy doesn't have potential. Sure, it was inconsistent for him, but go back and watch that Alabama game. And don't come back and say, well, it was flash in the pan, because he did it. He can do it again. You've just got to get the right mix of players around him. And so the situation still has not changed for Auburn during the offseason. It's still go out and recruit offensive linemen and wide receivers. But if a head football coach in the Southeastern Conference thinks this guy's good enough for his team, I'll default to it. I believe it. If Jimbo Fisher thought he was good enough to be there, I loved that point by Mark. If Jimbo Fisher thought he was good enough to be there and he wanted him to be there, then he's good enough. And I think Jimbo Fisher got a lot out of him this year. There were times this season where Zach Calzada played really well and looked like he could make the throws all the time. And I think the instances where you saw him not make the throws, where there was some inconsistency, he was young, he was inconsistent. Bo was not good for two years. People thought that Bo was never going to reach what we all thought he could. And maybe he didn't achieve everything that people thought he would here at Auburn, but the coaching staff still got a lot more out of him this year than the previous coaching staff did. So maybe, just maybe, the same can be true for Zach Calzada at Auburn. I like it. And if you search out on social media, I just saw there were some articles out there of folks having some high opinions of this guy. So go out and find those. And yes, as a good friend of mine just texted me, bro, you dogged Calzada all year. I was critical of Calzada all year, but my response to that is, this is not 2021 Calzada coming to Auburn. And this is not 2021 Auburn. It's 2022 and people can grow, people can get better, and there's some potential there. I did say a month ago when he entered the portal, I put him in my top five list of quarterbacks to come to Auburn. I saw the fit. I saw the culture fit. I saw the personality fit. And that leads me to my final take of the show. Final take. Brian Harson is about getting guys in here that fit his culture, fit his personality, fit the image of what he's looking to build this team into. Zach Calzada fits it. He's a gamer. He's gritty. The guy's arm went numb. For all intents and purposes, for five minutes, it fell off in the Auburn game. The guy plays hard. Got hurt in the Alabama game. Let a comeback drive to beat the Alabama Crimson Tide. Now, as an Auburn fan, you got to root for that, right? He fits the personality. Now we got to see if the play can come along. I understand all the criticisms for the play. I haven't denied that once on today's show. There are some concerns there. He's got to be better, without a doubt. If he's not that much better, well, then you're probably looking at a six or seven win season next year. That's not where Auburn fans want to be at, and that's not where this coaching staff wants to be at. But the reality is I think they're going to continue to build this roster out, and now's not the time to panic. Let's see what this coaching staff can do. And if this coaching staff does succeed in developing him, well, that's going to shut a lot of people up about quarterback development at Auburn University. Let's be a little optimistic. Zach Calzada's got the right personality. He's got a good head on his shoulders. This could end up being 
a great fit and a good match between him and Brian Harson. And then we won't be talking about issues between quarterbacks and their coaches like we have been for the last couple of years and his wide receivers. That's it for the Thursday edition of On the Line. We'll be back with you tomorrow, same time, same place. You know where to find us.